Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Once again, joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, how are you this week? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. And an interesting question that's a bit of a tactical one for us today. Uh, it's come okay. from John via the PDP Facebook page, and he has said, what are the best 9v9 formations and why? So that's a, uh, a good challenge. We're going to go Monday Night Football here. Uh, who do you want to be, mate? Carragher or Neville? I definitely don't want to be Carragher. Okay, good. All right. Well, <laughs> neither of us are going to put our hand up. So what are your thoughts initially around this question from John? Oh, my question to John would be, what is the best 11v11 formation and why? Okay. Um, I, I think I think it's if you think about it like that, it, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on um, what you think is important in terms of how you want to play football. Um, what are the individual needs of the players? Uh, what type of players do you have? You know, if you have um, three centre forwards that are going to bang goals every week, then that might change the shape you're going to play, and then maybe where they're at in their journey. So you know, if you have um, individual learning plans and you have individual targets for these guys then different shapes might stress them out a bit more you know for example if you had um dave you've got to improve your your 1v1 defending then to put him in most situations where he's going to be defending 1v1 is to only play two at the back against a team that played two up top um mm -hmm. you know that that's that's an obvious one so it's it's quite a, a big question but for me you know the answer would depend around around those things before we talk about you know sort of some of the specifics of the shapes how about you yeah, look, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head around the individual thing. So I think a message that we promoted a lot via the podcast and these Q&A videos is that we want to start developing environments which are focused on the individual. You know, this is what happens in the best environments where you're looking at your players as a collective group of individuals and then how they tie together on game day and what their targets are is a, a sort of another challenge for coaches. But it goes back for me to the philosophy that you're trying to embed within your club. So if you're working in a club that doesn't have an overall playing philosophy, then maybe you need to take some ownership around what you want to do with your team. But hopefully you're working in a club which is challenging itself and saying, look, we want to play a certain way or we want to develop a certain type of player. So again, when you talk about the 11 v 11 shape well what is it at 11 v 11 and do we work backwards so that's a broad brush for me but i think then the biggest focus here has to be what those players need at, at that point in the season or at that point on their journey um, so again we can talk about formations and shapes so to give an example uh, you might be looking at counter-attack and you might be looking at attacking quickly or forward runs forward passes as a topic so for me, 3-2-3 three, three would be a really good shape because you've got the opportunity to perhaps leave three players high at defensive set piece and create the opportunity to, to counter quickly from that moment. Um, you've got the opportunity of having three players up front in general play. Um, the two in the middle are going to be able to look at range of pass if you've got two players high and wide. So there's lots of outcomes within that individually. And then from the back three's perspective, if you're counter-attacking, 
you've got fullbacks bombing on, your center back's probably going to find himself isolated at some point. So that's going to enable him to defend, like you said, 1v1, or even defend outnumbered. So if both fullbacks go and support those wingers up top, and suddenly you're being countered against in your counter-attacking week, then there's opportunities to work on the defensive side of the game. So that, that's kind of one example of, of one shape that I've used a lot in the past, uh, fairly recently. And um, I think it's about looking at, as you say, the individuals in the team, what the outcomes are and what the theme is, and, and obviously tie that into your style of play. Uh, additional thoughts on other shapes from you, mate? Um, yeah, I, th I think you've made some really good points about linking into the 11 aside. So, you know, if your team plays um, three at the back at 11 aside, or if it plays, you know, two um, centre midfielders in a 4 4 2, it's about maybe trying to replicate those pictures. So, a lot of my experience would be with a 3 4 1, mm -hmm. um, which is, was meant to try and replicate a, a a 4-4-2 diamond, mm -hmm. so the four across the middle was where you had your, your two um, central midfielders that had to understand how to be a four, an eight, and a ten mm -hmm. um, at the same time, so it was you know working on opposite lines, so one drops in, one goes high, and then the, the two guys playing in the in the four had to be wingers, and then at times had to come back and be wing backs, mm. and then for the number nine, it was it was um, probably the, the the most artificial for the 4-4-2 because he was on his own, mm. so then it was about maybe the opposite winger becoming um, yeah. You know that that's sort of second striker. Um, I was just going to ask you because this is you know an age group that you've got a lot of experience with. How many different shapes would you play throughout the season? Would you literally change it up depending on the theme of the month? Would you try and do two or three a season? Would it be completely based on the players? How would you sort of find that balance? Look, I think I mean particularly in the last club I was working at, we had a bit of freedom to work within a series of shapes based on whatever the topic was. Um, but look, I don't think I think you've got to be patient with this. And I think if we as coaches are on this journey of learning all the time and trying to get improve our tactical understanding or our technical understanding of the game, and we're watching lots of football and we're learning from the best, then you've got to appreciate that a player who's probably playing 9v9 is going to be within that sort of age 10 to 13 bracket most likely. Um, and it could take them a lot longer because they're, they're children and they're, you know, they might soak up the game and watch loads of football. But there might be things that in your mind are quite tactically clear. But for a, an 11 or 12 year old child, that's going to be quite difficult. So I would advocate for giving it time with different shapes, whether it's a month of the same shape or a couple of months of the same shape to let players understand how it works. So two five one is a formation I used a lot recently because the uh, you know part of the club club philosophy was having a four eight and a ten so we wanted that midfield three and the players around it so a two five one really tied into a four three three quite nicely now the benefit of that is you had that rotation of the three midfield players all the time now whether you had a four who was sort of a constant pivot and a screener and the eight and ten rotated as to one to the side and one higher you were going to get outcomes for that midfield three and then when they got pushed into an 11 v 11 environment that midfield three combination was quite natural to them and what we also saw there was that if, for example, one of the defensive two decided to go on a little bit and perhaps sort of enter that fullback-like role, maybe the four has got to recognize that and drop in and support his other center back because the, the second center back's gone on like a fullback. And we would encourage those runs. So again, you're still getting players isolated defensively, still getting players challenged off the ball in those, those difficult scenarios where they might have to be 1v2 or 1v3. Um, but the, the five through the middle enabled wingers to stay wide and it enabled a midfield three, which obviously replicates the 11-sided game. And, and I, it's a formation that I enjoyed working with and the players did too. Yeah, I think there's probably advantages and disadvantages to, to doing both. So the, the club that, that I worked in when I was playing the 3-4-1, we had to play the 3-4-1 in every single game. And I found that frustrating because at times I wanted to play two up top. But And and, and 
what I actually learned was that you could just play the one formation all the time, but in certain games, the players understood they could take more risks mm. or play higher up the pitch or play closer to the mates or they could play further from the mates. So if the game was, you know, not challenging, the three at the back would actually be a one at the back and the two would go really high and which would push the, the, the wingers on. So you almost had three up front anyway. So by, I suppose what I'm advocating here is that if you did just have one shape that you, you did the whole season, it's about those learning experiences of, okay, in today's game, you could actually take, you know, play higher up the pitch as a, as a centre midfielder because, do you know what, Dave's all right to do the defending on his own. So you can go be a real number 10 and go and play with the nine. But when we go and play maybe a stronger team, all of those four need to get together. We need to have our distances sorted. We need to get compact. So maybe the, the, the learning focus wasn't so much around shapes and, and actually, you know, X's and O's. It's about mm. distances and it's about relationships and it's about the principles of the game, which they were learning through through week to week outcomes rather than, oh, I'm going to, you know, be a mini Mourinho and change the shape to, to what the, the other coach is mm. doing. Yeah. It's just about keeping your shape but doing it slightly different or doing it better because today we're playing against a team that have got three up front yeah. and we've only got three defenders so, so what does that look like so I think there is, there is there is benefits to playing two or three shapes throughout a season and I think you could coach that and there would be some learning outcomes but I suppose it's not about changing it and being you know every single week reactive to, to what's going on and the kids just playing in this constant sort of flux of am I fullback am I centre-back am I because if you just nailed one formation for a whole year I think the kids would really understand it, and then you'd have learning outcomes of okay, actually no, today you're all right. You can you can push on a bit. You know, mm. there's, there's no there's no need for you to cover. Yeah. So it's about linking into those those um those principles of the game, which is why I sort of answered the question with well, what's the best eleven aside shape? Yeah, you know, the, the best teams in the world don't really tend to change their shape, apart from maybe Guardiola, who <laughs> has a lot of fun doing it. But you know, you know, traditionally a Barca would play maybe this shape, and they maybe would play three at the back occasionally. Yeah. But you just see you know, their centre-back splitting much, much higher and Bush gets playing uh, deeper. The, the, the team, the shape is still the shape. It's mm. about what does that shape look like for, in that moment with those players. Mm. And, and I think it's easy as adults to overcomplicate it. You know, we, we don't want to overload um, all the time in terms of information. And I think we've got to remember that. And going back to the shapes I was talking about, I think from my experience, the, the better I've got at understanding the individuals within the group, the more my shapes will then reflect those players. So if you had uh, you know, a squad of uh, 18 or 20 kids and they might be split into two games of 9v9, well, it would be which kids have I got now? And do I have, well, I've really got two players that are working on central midfield targets that might be receiving on the half turn. It might be um, playing longer range passes. But if I've got two players playing in a 3-2-3 and I think, well, there's only really two players who are going to need that role, then that's the shape we'll play. Um, if it's a case of I've got three midfielders now and I need to play three players in the center of the park, it might be the 2-5-1. Or do I, need, do I have three attackers, as you said earlier? So for me, it's about those individuals um, and how you can tie the shapes together. It's very easy to get hung up on them and, and stress too much about them, but it ties back to your philosophy and the individuals. Yeah, it's about not playing Paul Scholes left midfield in a in a World Cup England team, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's 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 about if you've got these players, well, that determines that we kind of do this, you know, um, which which kind of makes sense. But you see, even at the top level, people shoehorning players into positions just to get them on the pitch. Mm. Um, my sort of final thought for this one was going to be, you know, if you are fortunate to have. Uh, a, a games program as fixture list and then you go and play tournaments tournaments might be the time to to change it mm. so you might have um the experience of you know sundays 
throughout the season look like this shape, but when we go and play in a tournament, we might play these shapes just just to give us a completely different learning outcome. And I think the kids the kids kind of get that. And if you and if you, they might come to you and say, "Oh, can we try this because we mm. you know we want to put two up top today?" And I think that sort of you know your one sunny Saturday might be the, the the time to do it. And then throughout the season, you could have the sort of bread and butter of no, this is the shape and this is how we're trying to do it. Mm. And then you might you know something we've talked about before about playing kids into different positions. Yeah. So if you've got a, a really rigid shape, I think kids would be more comfortable playing out of position if you have a position when you're 10. That's another Yeah, that's another, another debate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you understand what I mean? If, yeah. if, it's, if, if, if everybody understands what we're trying to do and how we play and how we play out from the back, how we switch, how we go through the thirds, then you might be more comfortable playing left side of defence mm. for, for a game because I know what that looks like. Um, so, yeah, the answer would be go, go and have a play with it, but but don't be too reactive and don't change it just because, you know, you lost the game or, or you played badly one Yeah, week. definitely. Well, some sound advice there. And obviously, we'd point John in the direction of our session plan library and obviously put the uh, caveat on that, that they're very much adaptable plans. And, and, you know, it's important to tie those into what your players' needs are. But there's well over 70 video session plans uh, in the library there for John to have a look at. So, Dan, thanks once again for your time. A really interesting discussion. And we will look forward to another PDP Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.